0: Ninth Story Studios, giving story a voice.
1: This podcast is part of the Darkness
0: Collective. Visit darkmyths.org to discover more shows like this one. The darkness awaits.
1: Hello, and welcome to Season 2, Episode number 18 of The Lift, our annual Halloween episode. Now, before we get to the story, as always, we do want to take a moment to say thank you to our Patreon supporters. Your support goes directly into funding the show and helps us keep the episodes coming. Without you, there would be no lift, and Victoria would be very sad. Season 2 is almost over, and we're quickly approaching Season 3. We have nine episodes planned so far for season three, but we have set some Patreon goals that will allow us to make even more episodes. If you'd like to see more of The Lift, you can support us at patreon.com forward slash Victoria's Lift. And of course, as always, we like to say thank you to those folks who took the time to rate and review the show with five stars in iTunes. That does help keep the show in the charts, and everyone involved in the show loves to see that the show means something to you. So those ratings and reviews do mean a lot to us. Thanks so much. So, without further ado, I want to get into today's story. We'll let Brooke say hello, and then we'll let Victoria take us for a ride. Hi, this is Brooke Wara, the author of today's story, The Posey's Velvet. If you enjoyed this story, you can find more of my work at brofora.com. I can also be found on Facebook and Twitter. And you can find more episodes of The Lift at victoriaslift.com.
0: Let's go for a ride! My name's Victoria. I have lost so much. I am bound to this place, charged with guiding those who must choose. Don't be afraid. I can never again be the little girl I was. Will you accept your fate or change it? I have my music box and a library lost, but I sometimes feel very alone. Won't you join me? It's time for your ride on the lift.
2: Don't be afraid. On Halloween night, the building sits like a crone at witching hour. Every candle, every lamp burns. Victoria amuses herself with a trunk full of plastic masks. She has already pretended being a vampire, a witch with a long, warty nose, a cat, and a princess. On the rare occasion that the building chooses to exist in our world, a passerby might see the shadow of a little girl just there in the window and hear the echoes of her tiny feet running down the marbled hallways. But on this night, the building exists only in its own strange limbo state, and so no living soul hears her at play. It feels like ages since a visitor was here. Victoria has grown quite bored with the witch's hat and the vampire's cloak. A slamming door interrupts her diversions, Hiding behind a dusty potted plant, Victoria watches the old woman cross the lobby. Mrs. Susie. Mrs. Susie has wandered into the building several times before. Though she never gives the impression, she remembers Victoria or the games they play. Sometimes, Victoria just watches Mrs. Susie roam the hallways and rooms. For a long while before approaching her, the poor soul doesn't seem to notice the effect she has on the building. Everywhere she goes, a trail of color and light follow. The patterns on the wallpaper transform. The lights flare. Radios burst into song. Victoria's own music box huddles silently inside her pocket when Mrs. Susie is near, as if it too is listening to her stories. Even the lift can't resist her magic. Once, when they had been riding upwards to Mrs. Susie's floor, the walls inside the lift morphed into brown cardboard. The buttons became scribbled black crayon marks windows appeared in the walls where there had been mirrors, and outside, stars and comets zoomed by in squiggly animation. What's happening, Mrs.? Victoria had asked. She hadn't been afraid, but instead terribly curious as she pressed her nose to the waxy windows. This was my rocket ship, the old woman had said. When I was about your age, I suppose. It's wonderful. Victoria had been delighted. Another time, Mrs. Susie had made it snow inside the lobby. I was born in winter, Mrs. Susie had explained as she wrapped a scarf around Victoria's shoulders. Victoria had hopped impatiently from foot to foot, eager to explore the winter wonderland. It had been Christmas time then.
0: Look there! Tracks in the snow, missus!
2: Tiny, distinct bird tracks dotted the pristine, impossible snowfall. Mrs. Susie's nightgown had turned to a mantle of bright blue feathers. She had worn a hat with a long, curved yellow beak. When she shook the snowflakes from her feathers, they ruffled and puffed out. That had made Victoria (laughs) giggle. I'll tell you a secret, Mrs. Susie had whispered.
0: Oh, yes, I love secrets.
2: Mrs. Susie had leaned in close to Victoria, her eyes shiny and wet, and said, as if it were the most natural thing in the world, I was a bird when I was born. Beyond where they stood in the snow, two blurry figures appeared a man and a woman. They huddled together underneath a tree that hadn't been there a moment ago. The woman looked up at her husband, a smile on her tear-stained face. In her hands, she cupped a delicate blue bird. Victoria heard it cheeping. Most times, when Mrs. Susie came to visit, she called Victoria by another girl's name. Her daughter had been Abigail, Victoria learned one night, while Mrs. Susie combed her hair with a soft silver-handled brush. You were born the same day your father, Charles, died in his sleep, Mrs. Susie had said to Victoria, thinking her to be Abigail. She'd had a faraway look in her eyes as she recounted waking one morning and knowing that her husband was gone. The house wasn't finished yet, and I lay there a long time, watching the snow fall through the open ceiling, waiting for him to breathe. Sometime later, I delivered you there on the floor. That's how we met Gertie. She'd heard my cries somehow. She rescued us. Victoria liked the stories of Gertie best. They were usually wild tales that played out in the shadows of the candlelight. Two women warriors battling trolls, climbing mountains, brewing magic potions. It was rare that Mrs. Susie recounted Gertie as a flesh-and-blood human being. Mostly, Gertie was a hero of mythic proportions. Tonight, a whirlwind of brightly colored fall leaves follows Mrs. Susie through the hallways. She wears a jeweled mask, glass beads and silky thread glittering in the lamplight. Her hair is piled high in ringlets of auburn atop her head. She carries a basket on her arm. Victoria sees candied apples resting inside. She jumps from behind the potted plant and shouts, Mrs. Mrs. Susie flails, placing a hand to her forehead. Oh, you startled me, you terrible little fairy. Victoria wears a pair of wings. They are black, jagged-edged, and dotted with sparkles. She spins on her toes to show them off to Mrs. Susie, and her skirt twirls. Lovely, just lovely, Mrs. Susie says. She offers Victoria a caramel apple. Shall we have a story? Yes! Victoria claps. A
0: spooky one!
2: Okay, a spooky one, Mrs. Susie agrees. They link arms and start down the hallway toward the lift. Even in her forgetting, Mrs. Susie always finds her way to the lift, just as she finds her way to this place and to Victoria. She begins, Once upon a time, in a deep, dark wood, live. Oh,
0: look, Mrs.
2: Victoria releases Mrs. Susie's arm and runs through the hallway, trailing her fingers along the walls, which are covered in curling pages from a storybook. The text, handwritten in calligraphy, appears, wavers, and scrolls along the walls. Dark, twisting trees, drawn in pencil, creak as they reach out above their heads. A paper owl, two-dimensional and creased down the center, takes flight near the ceiling. Yellow crayon marks blink in the shadows, eyes watching them.
0: Oh, this is... This is magnificent, Mrs.
2: Mrs. Susie, who is caught up to her now, pats Victoria on the head and says patiently, So... Once upon a time, in in the the deep, deep, dark woods, woods, lived a little woman and her little girl. They reached the lift, which now appears a cottage tucked into a hillside. The two were very happy in their little house with their little garden and their little dog. Hold on. Victoria retrieves her music box from the folds of her dress and turns the key until a tinkling melody fills the air around them.
0: Every story needs music.
2: Perfect. Mrs. Susie smiles. She continues So they were happy for many years there, growing dandelions for soups and tea, teaching their dog tricks, baking breads, and fishing in the stream. <laughs>
0: in the world heard of dandelion soup. (laughs) Victoria
2: laughs. It was a secret recipe taught to the woman by and here Mrs. Susie pauses, hushes her voice to a whisper and looks over her shoulder before saying the fairy folk. Victoria shakes her dark wings and Mrs. Susie nods solemnly. The woman and her daughter had made a special friendship with the fairies, Mrs. Susie explains. The music box continues to chime. In exchange for special breads and tea, they were allowed to live inside the hillside and gather wood in the forest and water from the brook. The pair never saw the fairies, for such a thing would never have been allowed. But they would sometimes catch shadow in the woods or hear bells in the night after wrapping their offerings in cloth and leaving them on the windowsill. The next day, the treats were always gone, with just a few crumbs left behind. Victoria and Mrs. Susie open the cottage door and enter the lift. Standing in the darkness, a circle of light, like a candle flame or the soft beam of a flashlight, illuminates Mrs. Susie's face as she continues her tale. Then, one day, the woman fell very ill. The music takes on a dark note. A storm passed over the hillside, burying everything in snow and ice. The flowers died. The bread grew hard and stale. The water froze in the stream. Even their dear old pup ran away. The daughter, burdened with finding more firewood to keep her sick mother warm, stumbled upon a fairy house nestled among the magic toadstools in the woods. Tiny blue mushrooms sprout all around Victoria's feet. They are glowing inside the darkness of the lift. The music box tinkles. She was very bitter, tired and lonely, says Mrs. Susie. In her anger, she lashed out and kicked the toadstools, sending them smashing against a tree. She stomped on them, ground them into the snow and cursed the fairies. Hadn't she and her mother always been kind and generous with them? Why didn't they protect her mother now against this terrible sickness? Why didn't the fairies at least use magic to spare their precious crops? The young woman abandoned her search for firewood and trudged home, defeated. Later, the girl was awfully remorseful and baked a tiny loaf of bread with the little bit of dandelion flour they had left in their stores. She set it out for the fairies as an apology for her insolence, and the next day, the bread was gone. In time, her mother grew better. The girl put the toadstools out of her mind, and all was happy again for a while. Here, the music falls quiet. But things were not the same. Mrs. Susie explains... The mother never fully recovered from her illness, and it was not long before she grew sick again. It was a sickness in her words. She would say jacket when she meant road, and twister when she meant girl, and yellow when she meant I love you. She found she could not even write the proper words down. And the two began to quarrel tirelessly with each other the daughter weeping and locking herself in her room while her mother cried yellow 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 on the other side of the door after weeks of this the daughter confessed her crime against the fairy folk to her mother and they both knew what had to be done one night The daughter packed a satchel of special breads, wrapped herself in her mother's shawl, and set out into the woods to offer herself to the fairy folk. She would cook and clean for them, and tell them stories, and in exchange she hoped they would make her mother well again. Off she went into the forest, never to return again. At the story's end, The lift comes to a shuddering halt. They have reached the sixth floor.
0: Did the mother get better again?
2: Mrs. Susie does not answer, Victoria. The lift's doors open, and they stand now inside a quite ordinary room. A small bed is along one wall. A dresser is against another. A comb, a box of tissues... And a toothbrush are laid upon the dresser. There are a lamp and a paperback collecting dust on a bedside table. Paper jack o' lanterns decorate the walls. An old woman in a flowered nightgown sits in a wheelchair, staring out the window, her eyes fixated on nothing. She wears a plastic orange eye mask, presumably for the Halloween festivities. She doesn't seem to notice Victoria or Mrs. Susie having entered the room. "'I don't want to be here,' Mrs. Susie says, and turns to leave, but the lift doors have already closed. In the room, two nurse's aides and scrubs appear and push the old woman's wheelchair toward the bed. Acting as mirrors, they each take her underneath the arms and lift her from her chair, laying her down and covering her up to her chin with a blanket.' "'Now, didn't you have a fine time at the party?' one of them says too loudly. She takes a tissue from the tissue box and wipes a gob of chocolate from the old woman's mouth. The old woman focuses her eyes with some difficulty on the two aides and says, "'Reindeer to the bachelor in the road of Posy's Velvet?' The second aide pats the old woman's hand and says, "'That's right, missus.' The posies velvet. The two women in scrubs smile at each other and shrug. One says, I wonder what she thinks about in there, and taps her own head with a finger. Darkness creates a vignette around the old woman in her bed and the two aides standing over her. Mrs. Susie and Victoria stand in a pool of light spilling from Victoria's music box. I don't want to see this, Mrs. Susie says. Her silky red hair has turned to gray, her beautiful jeweled mask to plastic, her dress and cloak to a threadbare nightgown. On her feet is a pair of hospital-issued non-slip socks. She holds a creped, liver-spotted hand to her face. How? But when... Is it really all over already? She looks at Victoria then and says, You are not Abigail, are you? No. I am an old woman now, aren't I? Yes. Is there still time? Mrs. Susie grips one wrist and twists, trying to wring the time out from her skin. There is so much I still want to do. Victoria places a gentle hand on Mrs. Susie's. No, Mrs. There
0: is no more time.
2: I'm not ready, Mrs. Susie cries.
0: You are ninety years old,
2: Victoria says. Ninety? Mrs. Susie rocks on her feet and Victoria steadies her.
0: You worked as a waitress in a roadside cafe most of your life, alongside your best friend, Gertie, the woman who heard your screams in the morning you gave birth to Abigail in the snow.
2: Gertie, Mrs Susie whispers.
0: You and Gertie earned hefty tips serving travellers that stopped in the cafe as they passed through town. You told them fantastic stories about the fairies in the woods Little birds who grew into fair maidens. And even how once, the entire village had frozen for decades in a terrible snowstorm. The two of you always meant to write down your stories, maybe even publish them. But somehow, in the hustle and bustle of daily life, working and raising Abby, you never did. Gertie passed away a little while after you came here, to this place.
2: I never remarried. Mrs. Susie begins to cry, fat tears dropping onto her nightgown. There was a romance. A traveling salesman who had a wife, a family in another town. I was so stupidly selfish. It was a scandal, and I liked to hear the whispers that followed me everywhere I went. I thought, even after he broke it off, there would be time for someone I never meant to die alone. She wipes her face with her sleeve and asks Victoria, Didn't I reconcile with my parents? They were so angry when Charles and I ran off together, already pregnant with Abby. Didn't my mother ever forgive me? And Abby, where is she?
0: The two of you haven't
2: spoken in years. Mrs. Susie shakes her head and covers her ears. I can't stand to hear any more of this. You came here often,
0: to this place, usually on holidays. The decorations, the food, the costumes, they all remind you of some different place in time. Your mind wanders, it escapes you, but...
2: Victoria pauses and squeezes Mrs. Susie's hand.
0: We always end up here. In this room, on the sixth floor, this is a place for facing things we wish weren't true. You've had a long, full life, Mrs. Even though... Do I have
2: to go back? Mrs. Susie pleads. Couldn't I stay here with you where I... Where I at least remember things? Victoria turns to the women frozen in the vignette of light in the room nearby. The old woman... The real Mrs. Susie, in the hospital bed, stares vacantly at the ceiling as a nurse places a pillow underneath her feet.
0: Do you see that girl who is helping you into bed?
2: Mrs. Susie nods. She sniffles.
0: She is important to you. You won't ever be able to speak to her.
2: Oh, what use is anything? Victoria continues.
0: But you will have moments. Lucid moments, when you smile at her, reach for her hand, nod when she asks you a question. I can't tell you how just yet. You will come to mean a great deal to her.
2: When Mrs. Susie says nothing, Victoria says,
0: She needs you, Mrs.
2: I remember how Abigail looked. Yellow, 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 Mrs. Susie says, It's just so unfair. The light from the music box grows blinding, and in a flash, Mrs. Susie has found herself in bed. She feels as if she is waking from a long dream and doesn't know where she's been. She does not know these blurry-faced people with hands that pull and prod and push at her. She wishes they would leave her alone. She wishes they would stop talking so loudly. She is trying to listen to the music. It is faint, a tinkling melody that feels familiar to her. Before she can place the song, the memory left her mind. A young woman with a ponytail and a name tag tucks a blanket under her chin and asks if she is comfortable. Yes, she tried to say, but what comes out is cottage. Nearby, Victoria lingers in this world, watching. She doesn't want to leave just yet. The old woman still sees her, but does not recognize her anymore. The posies, velvet, Mrs. Susie says sadly. Victoria leans down, kisses Mrs. on the cheek, and whispers in her ear, It's okay. And just before, Victoria winks out of our world. I'll remember you. The young aide startles, thinking she caught a glimpse of two glittering wings in the reflection of the window. She crosses the room and closes the blinds. Sure, it must be the lights from passing traffic. Talking to Mrs. Susie, she picks up the book from the bedside table. It is a book of fables. She flips to the chapter titled All Hallows' Eve. Mrs. Susie? The aide searches the old woman's face for a sign of recognition. How about a story? A spooky one?
0: me by writing a short review of the show in itunes and leaving me some gold stars it helps others to find their way here too i like gold stars can i have lots pretty please leave me stars and reviews at itunes.victoriaslift.com
1: society 13 podcast network Redefining podcasts Society-13.com I like to listen